Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. The promise of blessing for blessing, and this is what we're going to get into at the end. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. This is one of the reasons why Christ Community Church is blessed today. From 2001, we started blessing Israel. We started taking people to the land. We started speaking up against anti-Semitism. We started speaking from the pulpit unashamedly against the replacement theology that's going through a lot of the mainline denominations. We have said, no, no way. God is not finished with Israel. And one of the reasons that we're blessed today is because of our stance for Israel. The promise of curse for curse. He not only says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. That's a bad translation, by the way. It should say, I will curse those who curse you. In every major English translation, NIV, NASB, New King James, they all translate that, I will curse those who curse you. And really what is speaking of about invoking harm on those who attempt to harm Israel. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures where that takes place, actually a few of the places, so that you understand that when you develop a heart of anti-Semitism against Israel, you're in a dangerous position with God. When you start to violate, we'll get to that in a moment, the promise of blessing the world, right? Look at verse, the end of that verse, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God makes a promise that in him all the families on the earth shall be blessed. That comes through our Messiah, Jesus Christ, which we'll see in a moment. So that's really God's election of Israel. God chose Israel, and he makes a covenant with them. It begins with Abraham, who's the father of the nation, who, who becomes really the nation of Israel and the Jewish people as we know them today. So you need to understand it begins with God's initiative, and it all plays back and ties back into the promise that was made in Genesis chapter 3 when mankind fell at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. He says that he's going to, in the seed of the woman, crush the head of the serpent, which you'll see in a moment. Now I want to talk just a little bit about God's intention for Israel. Why did God choose Israel? What is his purposes for Israel? Well, I want to show you a couple of them, four of them actually, and they're the most important. Number one, to be a kingdom of priests, to be a kingdom of priests. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, when God delivers Israel from their bondage, their slavery to Egypt, he brings them to Mount Sinai, and he makes a promise to them there. He says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, Holy has to do more with God setting Israel apart for his purposes. But he's going to make them a kingdom of priests. Now, if you know anything about the priesthood in the Old Testament, Israel had their own priesthood. It came through the Levites. Levi and his sons were the priests that would represent the people before God and represent God before the people. And that's what priests do. 
Israel would represent God to the world in the sense of teaching God's word. They would be the priests because priests would teach the word of God in Hosea when the nation went off. One of the indictments against them was there were no teaching priests. So the priests would teach Israel the word of God, but Israel was to bring the word of God to the nations of the world. Now, in sacrifice, that the priests would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people, and ultimately that would play out in the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who would be the sacrifice for the sins of the world of the world. So he called them to be a kingdom of priests, but also to be the recipient of God's word. That every Sunday we open up God's word, even as we did today, we need to thank the Jewish people. It is the Jewish people who were entrusted with the word of God. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 5 to 8, it says, "See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? And that's a good question. If you compare the laws of God that the Jewish people were given, and you compare them to the laws of every other nation, you will find out that this word came from the living God. Now, in Romans chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, New Testament, here's what it says about the Jews. Then what advantage has the Jew? What advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way to begin with the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. All through history, you can go when you go to Israel with us. If you've been there, you know that we go to the museum where they have uncovered the scroll of Isaiah. And they found out after studying the scroll of Isaiah, it was a thousand years older than what they had previously, that it was meticulously cared for. That the Jews, when they would copy the scriptures... They would do it with the utmost respect and reverence because they knew it was the Word of God. And so the Bible that you're reading today, you can thank the Jewish people for. They were to be a witness of the one God. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 10 to 12, God says this. He says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Now notice how he begins that passage with, you are my witnesses, and he ends that passage with, they are his witnesses of the one true and living God who is the Savior. There's a ton of gods out there. 
There's a lot of false gods. There's statues people make. There's the temple of a thousand Buddhas that you can go to. And each Buddha is shaped a little bit different and has a different characteristic to it, an attribute to it. And you can pick any one of the thousands to bow down and to worship it. But those are false gods. The Jews were to be the witness to the true and living God. They were to be the ones that would be the light to the Gentiles. Gentile, by the way, whenever you hear that word from the pulpit, it means everybody who is a non-Jew. Every person other than a Jew. That's why you're going to hear Jew and Gentile. That a Gentile would be those people who have no Jewish blood in them whatsoever. So, so here they were to be the witness of the one true and living God, which they were. Now, you've got to remember this too. That the foundation of the church was, was Jesus and the disciples. He trains 12 disciples for three and a half years. One went off, Judas, of course. He was a son of perdition. But then when the day of Pentecost came, Jesus' primary apostle, which was Peter, gave the message... And 3,000 people got saved that day. And those 3,000 people, they were all Jewish. The first church was all Jewish. Now, the last thing is to produce the Messiah. So they're to be a kingdom of priests. They're to be the recipient of God's word. They're to be a witness of the one God, that there is no God before him. There is no God after him. And they're to produce the Messiah, that the Messiah would come through the blood of the Jews. And that was a promise in Scripture. Now, Romans chapter 9. I'm going to just do some New Testament here. Romans chapter 9, verse 5 says, To them belong the patriarchs. Who? To the Jews. To the Jews belong the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. By the way, for you that struggle with Jesus being God in the flesh, that scripture right there should clear it up. He was born of a virgin. He came to this world, but he was 100% God and 100% humanity. That's theologically, it may not make sense to you, but biblically, it is absolutely true. And he says, to them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. In Galatians 3.16, we know that that connects to the promise that we read in Genesis 12. Galatians 3.16 says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. And so we know that that was God's intention to bring the Messiah into the world through the Jewish people, through the, the nation of Israel. They would be a blessing to the nations of the world. That's what Genesis 12, 3 says at the end, that there's going to be that Abraham, as he walks out in obedience, and they become this great nation, that God would bless all the families of the earth through there. You know, when you get into the book of Revelation, and you look at Revelation chapter 7, there's these people there, and the angel asked John, who are these people? And he says, well, you should know. And he says, these are those who came out of the great tribulation, every tongue, every nation, every people. God fulfills his promises through them. Now, 
He reiterates this in Genesis 22, verse 18. He says, And in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So, they would be a channel of God's blessings. The greatest blessing being that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here's an important part I want to get to in this message. And I think it's important we do. I want to talk about God's protection of Israel. Because this has been an important verse in my heart when I became a Christian. And then in 2001, it was David Hawking who really taught me about Israel. He took personal time in my own life. He took me to Israel with 11 other people. Steve was on that trip and we went to Israel. And he spent time with me teaching me the importance of Israel and blessing the nation of Israel. Because the church I came out of didn't talk about it. And it's an important principle that we look at. Look what he says. This principle, by the way, was set in place at the very beginning. God did it, not man. He says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Now, politically speaking, this is God's foreign policy to all the Gentiles of the world. If you are to look at it on a political level, God will intervene on behalf of His people. Again, when I talk about curse, I'm talking about anyone who tries to invoke harm on God's people. And this is His foreign policy. He says, this is what I'm going to do. Those who curse you, I'm going to curse you. Those who bless you, I will bless you. It was King Louis Fourteenth. He asked the great historian and philosopher, Blaise Pascal, give me evidence. I want to know any evidence that God exists. And he said, your majesty, the Jews. That's your proof that God exists. And he's right. When you look at through history, what happened with the Jewish people, then you begin to understand that, wait a minute. Israel truly is God's timepiece here on earth. How do you explain the resurrection of the nation in 1948? There is no possible explanation for it because it never happened to any other country throughout the world. No other country maintained their identity that was scattered throughout the world. And then all of a sudden, almost 2,000 years later, comes back to being a nation again. And in one day, Isaiah says, he would form the nation. And he did in one day. It was... May 14th of 1948, and one day they were declared the nation. So this is God's foreign policy when it comes to the Jews. Anybody who's going to invoke harm on the Jews and have a hatred towards the Jews, God will intervene. It may not happen right away. It may take a little bit of time, but it always happens. Now, anti-Semitism is what we call it. Whenever you hear that word anti-Semitism, it means a hatred towards the Jews or attempting to do harm on the Jewish people. Now, this is rising in this country. That's why I was involved with the Consul General of Israel. That's what pulled me into the situation to begin with because it's rising all over the world, but it's starting to rise in the United States again, and there is great concern. And for the Jewish people, they know history. They will not go through another holocaust. 
And they will do everything they can to protect themselves. That's why when you look at the nation of Israel, 14 million people, they comprise of one half of 1% of the world's population, but no one can touch them. The source of all anti-Semitism is Satan. Whenever there's an attitude, or and I know that we grew up in a country that used to joke about the Jews and how they managed money, and we would use these sayings, and we would say words to demean them and everything else. And then when I became a Christian, I realized that doesn't even make sense except by Satan. Because everywhere the Jews went, they brought life, and they brought light, and they brought blessings to the communities that they were in. Charles Feinberg said it well, Dr. Feinberg, he said, what then is the true and only cause of anti-Semitism? In a word, it is Satan. The solution is to be found in Revelation 12. Satan hates the nation through whom has come so much blessing to the world, especially the Savior. First, the dragon is incensed against the child of the woman, Jesus Christ. Then he goes to make war with the remnant of her seed, Israel. Moreover, when Satan is angry against Israel, it always culminates in defiance against the Lord Jesus Christ. The two are inseparable. Jesus takes it personal on that. So throughout history, there's been attempts to take out the Jewish people. And there's been things that happen in Scripture that bring the Abrahamic covenant to light. In fact, in Genesis chapter 12 here, we see it beginning at the very beginning. By the way, there's one way to destroy the Jewish people. There's one way. And it's in the Bible. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 35. Here's what it says. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the seas so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order, the stars and the moons, Depart from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. So in order to wipe out the Jewish people, all you got to do is take out the stars and the moon. That's what he says. God says that. He also says... He also says that if you can measure the heavens, and I thought about that for a moment, and I thought, you know, they're always coming up and they're saying, you know, with these more powerful telescopes, we discovered another galaxy. We discovered another galaxy. And they always tell you there are millions of light years to this star and that star and everything else. They think they can measure. And I thought, you know what? Maybe God keeps forming galaxies so they could never measure them. <laughs> We know the earth cannot be explored. We know no one's going to get down to the center of the earth and explore it. It's just too hot, according to the scientists. But they ain't going to measure the heavens either. They're not going to measure the heavens. So let me just say this, that Israel's friends are God's friends. Israel's friends are God's friends. Israel's enemies are God's enemies. And Israel's friends are God's friends. Those two things are rooted in that principle in Genesis 12 that God instills at the very beginning. There's a divine principle 
that is set in place at the very beginning at the call of Abraham. One of the reasons that God has blessed America, by the way, is because we've always supported Israel. And I thought about this for a minute because I just read an article where it said that our military is at an all-time weakness. That there's people that aren't wanting to enroll in the military now. They're talking about our ammunition being down and they're saying that we are not even prepared to go to war. And I thought, I wonder if that's connected to Israel because the Biden administration has attempted to get Iran going with their nuclear program even more, which is only a threat to Israel. Israel is very concerned with what's happening right now with the United States and with Iran. And I thought, you know what? Maybe if the United States is putting Israel at risk militarily, that we're going to be at risk militarily because it's a blessing for a blessing and a curse for a curse. So the principle of blessing those who bless the Jewish people and cursing those who curse the Jewish people is evident in the scriptures. And we see the outworking of the Abrahamic covenant already in Genesis chapter 12 after he makes this. In verses 10 to 15, you're going to see where Abraham goes down to Egypt. And you can read about this. And he goes down there and it's no, no fault of Pharaoh. Abraham lies to Pharaoh and says, look, Sarah's beautiful. You tell Pharaoh that you're my, my sister because Abraham was afraid of being killed by Pharaoh. She was so beautiful that Abraham thought that, man, if Pharaoh knows that she's my wife, he's going to kill me and take her as his own. So he gets Sarah to lie to Pharaoh, and she tells him, right, that she's his sister. And what happens is God visits Pharaoh in a dream. Now, this is no fault of Pharaoh, but God still intervenes in this situation in a powerful way. Look at verse 17. He says, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. So here, Abraham's wife is at risk going into Pharaoh's harem, right? Because he thinks it's his sister, Abraham's sister. No fault of Pharaoh, but God still intervenes and he threatens them with plagues and brings great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now watch this. You see this interestingly in Genesis chapter 20. Turn there real quick. I want to show you this. We're going to walk through a couple scriptures because I think it's important that you see what's rooted in scripture. And it begins at this call of Abraham. Now when you turn to Genesis 20, you're going to see a similar situation arise and you're going to see a difference here though. You're going to see a curse for a curse. God not only says, I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, but I'm going to curse you in the same way. Now watch this. He lies once again. It blows me away that Abraham does this again. But he lies once again. And Abimelech is the king of Gerar. And he tells the king there that, hey, look, Sarah's my sister. And he takes Sarah for his own. He brings her into his own harem. But now you're looking at the promise that God made of the seed now at risk right now. The whole thing can be train wrecked unless God divinely intervenes. So God appears to Abimelech in a dream warning him. Then the Lord closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech. In other words, because the promised seed was at risk, God's now going to do it 
to Abimelech. Look at verse 18. In verse 18 it says, For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. You're now seeing this happen, not only a blessing for a blessing, but you're now beginning to see a curse for a curse in kind. In other words, what you do to the Jewish people, God's going to respond in kind. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.